0: Hello everyone, welcome to another new episode of Mandate Business special series on the elections in West Bengal, Assam, Tamil Nadu, Kerala and Puducherry. I am Nivedita Varadharajan. This week we take a look at the obvious thing which is there in play, the, uh, the surge of coronavirus in India and how it has been impacted by the elections or if there's an impact there. Today I am joined by Associate Editor Purnima Joshi and we talk about the elections in West Bengal and the centre-state relationship. Thank you so much for joining us today Purnima. Hello Devedita. thank you. When the election started on the 1st of April, that is the first day of this month, there were about 6000 cases in West Bengal. Now the figures have basically doubled. Is it right for us to like uh, like have a correlation saying that elections have played a case here because in like other parts of India, like say Maharashtra, there were so no elections, but then the case have spiked.
1: No, no, obviously there's a correlation, uh, which of course the leaders are all denying because uh, uh, they didn't anticipate this. They didn't plan for it. And uh, in the first uh, four or five phases, they were all busy campaigning. Uh, People were being paid to come to their rallies, nobody was Mm -hmm. wearing a mask, nobody was uh, advising people to wear a mask. Uh, And these are all people in authority, the uh, senior members of the cabinet, the prime minister, the chief minister, everybody was busy campaigning. Uh, But obviously, after the surge, once the surge happened, it has had a logistical impact. Suddenly, the election commission also got into action, and they didn't uh, didn't sort of uh, club the rest of the phases together. Uh, which is uh, what a whole lot of parties have had mm. uh, demanded, including the Trinamool Congress, actually. Uh, but uh, they put curbs on the campaigning. Yeah. So, uh, and after the fifth phase, uh, even the prime minister suspended uh, campaigning. Uh, so they uh, initially they denied any correlation, but it is too obvious, and the outrage, especially on the social media, is too uh, uh, too hyper for them to ignore it. So they've suspended rallies, etc. Uh, so that is the logistical impact. What uh, one has to look at and decipher is uh, is whether there is an actual political e- electoral impact uh, on on the outcome of the elections. How mm-hmm. how people are responding to uh, to this unfolding crisis. And about that, I'm not so sure whether uh, uh, you know these noises on on the social media or the mainstream media now. Uh, uh, which has also started to cover it, uh, uh, you know, extensively, is uh, is reflecting in voter behavior, which um, uh, which was influenced earlier in the earlier phases by uh, the rise of the BJP. There is anti-incumbency about Mamata, uh, against Mamta Banerjee and her party, uh, BJP having presented a plausible alternative, be a novelty factor being a, uh, being with the BJP. Uh, and its resurgence in, 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 in Bengal, all of that, whether it has been impacted by, by the rise in COVID cases, one is not too certain. And I would go to the extent of saying that it's uh, probably uh, a more middle-class sort of urban phenomena where people, uh, uh, some people are getting outraged. But uh, whether it has percolated down to the rural areas where actually the BJP has consolidated, one is not too certain about that actually it's
0: not just the middle class which is concerned even the high court kolkata uh, high court pulled up
1: the election commission just yesterday can you tell us a little bit about what they said well high courts across the country have been uh, sending alarm bells including the calcutta high court of course which, uh, which asked the election campaign to act uh, more swiftly take uh, take appropriate action and so on but the ec has allowed the elections to go on which is unfortunate because uh, Um, uh, When the rest of the uh, assembly elections, including a big state like Tamil Nadu, when they could uh, complete the elections in one phase, there is no fathomable reason uh, for West Bengal elections to go on for eight phases, Uh, you know, which uh, uh, the NETAs might deny it. But Mm -hmm. uh, between gatherings, you know, large crowds and COVID surge, there is a correlation. It's not fair. And it's not logical, and it is uh, it is uh, incomprehensible to me that they haven't acted, uh, uh, reacted to this emergency and clubbed the phases together, and uh, you know held one uh, one uh, phase uh, poll for the rest of the phases. They have gone along uh, with all the re- all the rest of the eight phases. So even if campaigning is now being done virtually and so on, there will be uh, there will be. Uh, Three phases in which the uh, the people will gather and, and vote, as opposed to just one uh, one polling day. So um, that's unfortunate. But having said that, even the high court's response would be the response of a certain type of people to this crisis. Uh, you know, I mean, there is there has to be a perspective about corona and the outrage outrage that is spilling out. You know, there are uh, nationally, if you look at it, there are one thousand deaths due to corona. And largely, these deaths are taking place because uh, uh, you know the basics—oxygen cylinders, uh, immediate health care is not available to people. Hospitals are running out of oxygen. Now, that kind of situation—if uh, you know the the a certain class of people, people who read the English language newspapers and listen to the uh, to the television or uh, or on are on social media—they haven't. Uh, Ever been through the indignity of lying in the hospital corridors waiting for to be admitted or gasping for breath. But this is common reality for, I would say, 90% of the people, population in India, uh, which uh, 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 I would remind you, there are are 1,004 deaths due to diarrhea in India every day and who are these people who die of diarrhea or tuberculosis every day people who do not have access to clean drinking water poorest of the poor the poorest of the poor for them lack of access to clean drinking water people who cannot fix ro's in their homes and are forced to uh, and they you know their nutrition levels are uh, are down their immunities are down for them it's a, a major disease uh, people who are on contractual employment or are in the informal sector or on daily wages, they lose their livelihood if there is a uh, there is a major disease in the family or if a family member is dying and somebody has to cater to them. So for them, it's a double whammy and they have lived with it uh, for decades now. As India has uh, has progressed without spending um, uh, you know, like a fraction of their GDP one point five percent, not more than that. Even one point five five is an exaggeration on healthcare. So uh, uh, this is the state of affairs, uh, which is commonplace for the poor in India, especially in rural areas. This is fairly common. People die of absolutely one hundred percent curable diseases because the the linkages between poverty, social determinants of health, etc., have not been made with with disease so now that you know uh, people are dying of absolutely uh, uh, you know necessary basics like oxygen uh, so far indians have been dying of lack of access to uh, to clean drinking water uh, and now it's air we are gasping for breath and the oxygen is running out uh, but the only difference is that now uh, the virus is sort of egalitarian it's sky striking across classes and it's highly infectious so they're all happening at one go, uh, and there is a crisis. So it's impacting and it's leading to a certain outrage. But whether it will lead to any any change in the policy direction or people spending more on public health care, et cetera, I'm not so sure about that. So
0: that's very morbid. But we need to talk a little bit about the uh, political aspect here you talked about how there's a lot of mismanagement and you spoke a little bit about it previously also in the even in the last podcast is the bjp actually concerned about the mismanagement in west bengal of co- of the covid mismanagement in
1: bengal and could it help the party win well you know covid is not really uh, still i would say it it is not uh, an election issue uh, in bengal and mismanagement would be blamed as much on mamta banerjee she was as busy in elections as, as the BJP was. Mismanagement is at the national scale. And to be fair, really, uh, it's not just the, the present government that is to be blamed for the crisis that has that has become uh, sort of endemic in the health sector in India. I mean, uh, for the last 20, 30 years, we have uh, we have shut down public sector units uh, in, in vaccine manufacturing. Uh, uh, we have no emergency uh, uh, fallbacks. In health, and we have not invested in public healthcare infrastructure. So, mm-hmm. in a crisis, then uh, then how do you deal with it? We have not invested, in the, the healthcare infrastructure has collapsed. There is such a huge surge that you cannot uh, blame one party. Having said that, at the central level, there is obviously people have been caught unawares. BJP, uh, you know, which is ruling at the center, they passed a resolution on twenty first February this year saying that the Prime Minister has defeated uh, Corona and they were jubilant. Now, uh, it's a collective Mm. crisis. I mean, it's a collective failure to gauge the second wave which the whole world had been warning us against. And it was believed that there there was all sorts of mathematical uh, Mm. uh, sort of projections which showed that india if it happens it will be a really bad crisis given the concentration of our population the, the way the cities are congested, congested etc so uh, even for one moment if we believe that the politicians were, were unaware or illiterate about the about the crisis and the way it will unfold i wonder what uh, what institutions and research institutions and and our scientific community was doing why were they not warning the government about the surge that will come and the impact so what have we learned from the crisis in uh, last year nothing uh, you know the healthcare infrastructure is crumbling and people are dying mm. in the in the hospital corridors that is the morbid reality of today's times but i am actually not certain whether it will impact just like the, last year the, just it's much worse than last year because we have new mutants they are far more infectious and uh, our vaccine cover is as low as 8% we are supposed to be the vaccine factory of the world we have not been able to produce enough max- vaccines or or, or uh, vaccinate uh, uh, you know do enough to vaccinate the entire population so uh, we are failing at all fronts now uh, whether that will have uh, an impact on west bengal elections i am not too certain about that because as i said this is uh, this is a crisis in, in a crisis engulfing the whole ca- country across classes and everybody but uh, for uh, we must remember for the poor, for the larger masses, this is everyday reality for them. You, they have the slightest of disease, even a common injury uh, to children will lead to death. Diarrhea leads to death in India. One must remember the figures for diarrhea are higher than COVID deaths in India still. So, uh, whether they will respond to this crisis and vote the uh, vote uh, for Mamta again and. And for, for the West Bengal government, the, again, uh, you know, health also needs to be handled at the state level. What precisely has she done to handle it? What arrangements has she made to vaccinate her population? Whether she was she was aware of, uh, of the crisis and what she did to to curb movement or campaigning? Those are also questions that will be asked. So I think the question in Bengal, uh, so far as politics is concerned and political impact of COVID is concerned, it will remain muted. Uh, it has li- resulted in logistical responses in the sense that the prime minister has curbed his rallies, Bengal chief minister has curbed her rallies and, and so on, and virtual rallies are right now going on. Elections are still on, by the way. So, uh, uh, But people, when they vote, uh, it would be still uh, 10 years of Vamta government, the novelty factor with the BJP. Uh, there is a sort of communal consolidation uh, there and uh, the the fact that the BJP has been able to project itself as a pro- plausible uh, alternative to the ruling government. So
0: interesting that you speak about what Mamta did to get enough supplies of oxygen and everything for her state because Mamta Banerjee has blamed the center for diverting oxygen, which is meant for West Bengal to a BJP rule state, especially uh, UP. This lack of trust between the center and state Will it impact how
1: the Covid is handled in the state and will that impact the election? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's very, very cynical, this kind of uh, statement uh, by the chief minister, uh, you know, which is totally a political statement. And uh, uh, the discourse is so polarized. And uh, there has been no coordination whatsoever between the centre and the state. Uh, in the handling of this pandemic, which is national, which is disastrous proportions. And the response has been polarized. Uh, You know, people speak uh, depending on what political line will speak, uh, will work for them. And this is true for the center as well as the state. The smooth functioning of of a system, uh, you know, after all, in Delhi, we have seen a situation where Haryana has refused to uh, to uh, allow oxygen supply into Delhi. Haryana has the plants, oxygen plants, and they're not allowing uh, Delhi to access the, uh, that uh, yeah. oxygen. That is the reality. That is what the chief minister has been saying for the last two days. Haryana doesn't have that kind of requirement. Their cases, case load is not as high as Delhi. And to be fair, Delhi houses—I mean—the concentration of uh, hospitals, which will cater to people from. Uh, what is called the national capital region uh, which includes parts of Haryana is in Delhi uh, but Haryana is hoarding uh, oxygen they have not allowed oxygen so only when the yeah. prime minister intervened yesterday said a few strong words that uh, this supply started yesterday uh, the you know many of the hospitals in in Delhi were running out of oxygen uh, and uh, I know for a fact that in Holy Family Hospital, oxygen was available only till 12.30. There were 384 uh, uh, patients whom the doctors were scared will uh, will lose their lives if the oxygen doesn't uh, reach in time. So they were running helter-skelter, emergency supplies were made available. This kind of situation is unacceptable, Uh, but there has been no coordinated response uh, to this right from the beginning everybody' is playing politics including the center and the states. So it's a very unfortunate state of affairs uh, but uh, it hasn't had any uh, political impact in Bengal uh, so far as far as I could make out.
0: What does this say about the center state relationship in general and about federalism in India because if the states and and the center cannot work together on an issue which could save millions of lives, then what's
1: the point of them even being there? Yeah, well, uh, you know, since uh, 2014, when the government came with a the majority, there has been uh, a, sort of, a certain amount of centralization in, uh, in the functioning of, uh, uh, of the system. And the states uh, have yeah. accused the, uh, the center of, uh, of taking away, especially their fiscal autonomy. Uh, what with the Gst then sudden announcement of demonetization etc yeah. the states have been uh, arguing that uh, they are not being give, given their uh, their share of the GST uh, sort of uh, uh, and uh, also uh, there hasn't been enough coordination there's been a lot of politics uh, and in in GST uh, for instance if there was still a functional a statutory body, uh, in the form of GST Council, which was ironing out uh, these differences and which, uh, mm-hmm. despite the states voicing their concerns and so on, it has been rolled out, it is functioning. Uh, even in terms of states borrowing, etc., the finance minister has intervened and states have more or less accepted that. That kind of uh, structure is not available when pandemic pandemic of the scale of what has hit India uh, has emerged. So, uh, since last year, there has been a lot of push and pull between the centre and the states, with the state saying, we don't have enough money, our fiscal uh, health is not good, we need more money to combat this, the centre is not giving enough, centre has its own logic against the state. So, uh, uh, something like an interstate council should have been set up. Uh, last year itself, when we were, we were aware, I mean, it wasn't... Uh, rocket science to figure out that India with its concentration and the congested cities will be hit hit very hard uh, with that and we'll need coordination between the states now in even in a in a in a certain uh, in a specific context of uh, let's say, uh, availability of oxygen. Now, it's a fact that some states need it be- more than the other states, you know, Maharashtra, for instance, in Delhi, uh, you know, and uh, states in the Northeast don't need, need it so much. States like Odisha yeah. don't need it so much. So how much of this talk, why isn't there a daily meeting or a weekly meeting on this uh, of all the health ministers and coordination? I mean, even in, a, in the functioning of a small institution like a newspaper, we do have daily meetings where we figure out what to put where because it's an everything is dynamic and emerging so i don't see any reason why the states and the center can't sit together and figure it out yeah. uh, you know why does the prime minister have to sit and take review meetings uh, suddenly on an emergency uh, basis as opposed to structures having been set up which will address these issues uh, you know, in UP, we had the unprecedented situation of the High Court imposing lockdowns in four or five cities, which then the Supreme Court objected to. This is clearly stepping into the executive do- uh, domain by the judiciary. Yeah. But when the state is absent, the situation in uh, Uttar Pradesh is horrific. You have you have uh, scenarios of uh, of bodies being cremated on on the roadsides. Uh, so uh, uh, when this kind of uh, crisis unfolds then, and you don't see a proper response, then uh, th- there has to be some structural uh, uh, response to this. Huh? I mean, you can't have a blame game going on between the center and the state. You have to have a structure which will take responsibility, a daily responsibility. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't see any reason why there shouldn't be a collective sort of effort for this and and uh, real-time data on who reads what and, and, and transfers, uh, you know. So um, uh, it's a spectacular failure of the system. Uh, and I shudder to think what's going to, go, going to happen in the coming days when the when the infection rate has not gone down, even in Delhi, which has, which has seen a lockdown for the last uh, one week. Finally, before
0: we go, what are the lessons we can learn from uh, conducting elections during the times of COVID? For all we can assume, COVID is here to stay and there's, is- Going to be these waves, and uh, what are some of the lessons that all of us, people like you who are on the ground covering uh, and the officials, what are some of the lessons that we can all get from, uh, from these
1: elections? I mean, I suppose the first thing is to suspend this level of very high cynicism and partisan gains. And think, about, uh, think for a moment about what we are subjecting our people to. I mean, when, when Bihar elections were held for the first time during COVID, there was some semblance of, uh, uh, you know, some structure having been laid down. The EC laid down some guidelines and uh, there were supposed to have been virtual rallies. and some. But in, when we saw the election unfold, it was business as usual. Nobody was wearing a mask. Everybody was going around addressing large crowds, and there was a surge in cases in Bihar at that time. Uh, you know, so having seen that, yeah. I I I would presume the Election Commission would be far more vigilant and far more, uh, you know, a little firmer with the political parties. They'll all have their partisan gains to be made. Institutional responses to this crisis, whether it's the Election Commission or uh, bodies like the Indian Council for Medical Research or the scientific community, uh, even the premier institutions like the All India Institute of Medical Sciences. Today itself, you know, you you've seen doctors' bodies writing to the Prime Minister saying, "Why are the government hospitals reserving beds for for politicians? Why aren't uh, uh, when the doctors don't have reserved reserve beds? Why why are bed beds being reserved for?" For VIPs, uh, you know, well, this is the sort of culture and total chaos that we have perpetrated uh, on the system. And institutional responses, autonomous institutions, are not standing up and telling the, the telling the government what to do and what is right and what is wrong here. So, some sort of institutional integrity is required out here on the part of the Election Commission, as much as as on the part of every other institution that is existing. Thank you
0: so much, Poonima, for joining us today. It has been a purely morbid topic to talk about, but thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week to talk about the elections and the results possible. Thank you all for joining us.